literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to Austin Found on a very special edition, and I'll explain why in a second, or Michael and I will explain, but I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barron. And we are in a completely different setting. This is a bit of a uh, milestone for the Austin American very Statesman. Very exciting, very exciting. Which you are the perfect person to explain how many times the Austin American Statesman has moved over the years. Well, at least 13 that I know of. And 13? Yeah, well... Back in the 19th century, especially when printing presses were a lot smaller, they uh, moved around a lot. I was surprised when I found that out. But the last time we moved was 1980, 81, and now we've moved again. This is our first show from the new location in the Met Center, which is near the airport. Yeah. If you haven't been out here, it's uh, it's nearly very, the closest thing is Riverside in, in uh, 71. Right. It's an office park. And there are a lot of things out here you probably already know about. The food bank, Amazon, a lot of uh, tech businesses are out here. And we're in a building that looks like all the other buildings <laughs> from the outside, which is fine. Uh, and in the inside, what's amazing is, and I'm, I'm, I'm just being architecture critic here right. uh, and, and geek, is yeah. it kind of looks like Apple it does. offices. It looks, very white. Very, very simple, tech. very minimalist. Very minimalist. Everyone has a standing desk yeah, and, 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 a, it, and a frosted, instead of foam cubicles, it's frosted glass. Right. It's no, very it, clean. Very clean lined. It makes it feel like we're a tech company. <laughs> and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but any emotions going through your head with the old building? Because you've spent your whole career there. I did. I did. Well, well, not your whole career. You're still here. <laughs> if we get through this, yes. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, I'm delighted to leave because the building was a mausoleum by the time we left. I mean, not only was it almost empty before the pandemic, during mm. the pandemic, it was empty. We yeah. all worked from home. And just walking through these vast spaces that used to be filled with people and mm. filled with activity, it was just depressing yeah. that, that there was nobody there. You know, it had a beautiful view on the river. Mm -hmm. It was close to everything. It was walking distance from my house, walking distance I can't distance tell you from... how many times over the decades I saw you walking yeah. down Congress to, <laughs> to work. <laughs> and I'm not walking to the Met Center. No. I can tell you that. No. It, it would not be a fun walk along 71. Oh, my gosh. You're going to... Uh, quadruple your miles <laughs> on the volvo so we'll yeah see. but i think it's exciting i, I think, do too i think there's there's a you know i mean you, you certainly are one of the, the veterans around here but there's a not a, new, a lot of new blood coming in and they're excited they walk into this place it's the first you know it's maybe their first journalism job right and it's right. like they're living the dream oh they are and I just need to get my de desk fixed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there are all those little kinks in yeah. moving, but the the radio studios all look r really great. The radio stuff? Yeah. Uh, that's because I moved it all over here. <laughs> <laughs> look at you. Okay. We're going to jump into this stuff. And it's funny you said that this feels like a tech office because mm -hmm. what we're going to talk about today is what Austin was like 
before IBM. That's right. Which is really the, uh, you know, you didn't say it in so many words, but you suggested it from the article. I mean, that's the very first tech move that Mm -hmm. Austin made entirely. And that wasn't until 67. That's right. Uh, We had tech companies homegrown here before, like Tricor, which goes back to the early 50s. But it wasn't until IBM uh, uh, set up an office here in 1967 that we had a major tech company in town. And it changed the city completely. I mean, the the culture was quite different after IBM came in. I mean, there are all kinds of different landmarks along the way in terms of, of the growth of the tech economy and culture, but IBM moving here was one of the big ones. It was a big deal. And I remember growing up here, so in the mid-'80s, my girlfriend's dad worked for IBM. And th- literally at the beginning of seeing a home computer, yeah, my girlfriend had one. You know, And I would go really? over the first Apple, some of the first IBM stuff. Yeah. And people forget that IBM was working with Apple on some of those first no, things. Now, all of these new companies were clustered uh, and still are, uh, around what is now called the Pickle Research Center up off of 183 Research Boulevard, in fact. And what that was, and we've talked about this on the show before, was an old magnesium plant which made military armaments during mm-hmm. World War II. After the war, some UT engineering professors said, hey, this would be a great place for a research center. And LBJ, of course, helped out. So then uh, it became this place where around which the tech uh, community developed. Which one of those things it led to was national instruments that right. came out of that facility. Right, right. And, and that's, that's been one of the success stories for decades in Austin. And of course now, I, mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you look at, we are a tech town. Yeah. We're a big time tech town. But in the early days... And, and I try to describe this to people sometimes, and the focus of this article you did was around 1960, but even in the mid-80s when I was growing up here, it was government jobs mm-hmm. and university jobs. Mm-hmm. Not much else. Not much else. We were coming out. By that time, agriculture wasn't as big as it used to be, and agriculture used to be pretty dominant for a long time, but in, within the city itself. Absolutely, the university and the state government. And that goes back to our founding. We were founded as the capital of the Republic of Texas. And when that capital went away for a little while, it was a ghost town. There was nothing. There was no reason to be here. And so uh, during the the mid and late 19th century, our status as the capital continued to be uh, validated. And, And then in the 1880s, we got the university. So, and those two were our guiding lights for a very long time. I know. I don't mean to joke, but can we give the capital back to Houston <laughs> and try to re- do a little reset? <laughs> no. no, actually having the capital here is great. I know. I, you know what? I live in the SoCo area, and I love it every day when I get in my car mm-hmm. and I'm driving down Congress. I can't tell you how often I stop and go, wow, mm-hmm. look what I get to look at every day. And I, and I love some of the research you did in, in, in Delaware, Austin, about what Austin, you painted a great picture of what Austin looked like in 1960, and it's mind-blowing. How many people were probably here at that time? 80,000 people working in 1960, and interestingly uh, today, 
or at least when I wrote this story in 2017, there are 120,000 tech workers. So we have far more tech workers today than than all workers back in 1960. Yeah. And you know what else threw me for a loop, too? Again, I should have paid more attention in Texas history. You know, now as we have a medical teaching college here, which took a long, long time. (laughs) More than 100 years. It, you know, it went to Galveston. Right, right. And, and I was sort of mind blown at a, that that was our biggest city. Well, at the was. T- and that was the reason for that choice. Absolutely. Uh, a, a teaching hospital needs indigent patients. And you have that in a big city. And we were not a big city. We were, we were a town. And Galveston was the biggest city in the 1880s when the uh, medical school was established. And there's still a a uh, big medical school there, but uh, now we have ours. <laughs> I know. It's just wild. I just never in my mind did I think Galveston was the biggest city in Texas oh, at yeah. one point. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. And then <laughs> along came the 1900 hurricane. <laughs> oh, right. not, not a laughing matter. I'm sorry. This is also interesting, again, when now you can, every block you walk downtown, a building is mostly occupied by a large company. But in 1960, two of our biggest employers were... Adams Extract and Walker's Austex Chili. No, wait. Adam's, Adam's Extract is just the little flavoring you use while cooking. Right, right. That was one of our biggest industries. Absolutely. Well, again, both of these came out of uh, the agricultural past mm-hmm. of the county. So the extract company uh, did very well. Remember there was the, that beautiful modernist building on South I-35 I- mm-hmm. off to the right as you going south? Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it's gone. It really should have been preserved. Mm. But the the company moved to Gonzalez. And then the chili company was part of a complex of, of, of chili canning that went along with the spinach canning that was in the area around uh, Republic Square Park. Oh, my gosh. And this is where the, the Hispanic community lived was in that area. And, yes, these these were our big products. Well, a little bit of a throwback. That's where we have the farmer's market on Saturday. I had never thought of that. That's a really good point. Maybe we should consult with them and give them a little of that background. Very, very close to the, the federal building and everything on your way into downtown on right. a fifth. If those if you're new to Austin, you don't know where Republic Square was. So we were canning Tex Mex. Right. <laughs> Which does not sound appetizing. I know we've talked about this on previous episodes, but there was farming to the east. Spinach to the south, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And this is all pre, again, becoming a tech town. What did West Austin look like? Well, according to the Texas Almanac, and I quote, mountainous country above Austin is devoted to cattle, sheep, and Angora goats. That's Westlake, kids. That's, that's where. <laughs> <laughs> now, by 1960, we were already, you know, Lakeway was beginning to be planned. Mm-hmm. And it may even have opened in 61. I can check on that. But We did a whole episode about the the, the 50 years of Lakeway, if you want right, to go look right, that up. Yeah. yeah. So that was, it was ranch land, as most of the Hill Country was. Which is why for the, what did I live in Westlake for like 15 years? And you, you could have livestock legally. That's probably oh, why. Yeah. Well, also the ag exemption, don't forget that. You, you don't have to pay as high a property taxes if you are running cattle or goats on your land. And then, again, 
pre-tech town, what other kinds of farming were happening around here? We grew sorghum and... Well, there was a lot of corn and oats and hay and, and pecans. Pecans were big. And also, there were, you know, any any farm or even a lot of people's houses would have uh, a chicken. Uh, and there were three chickens in Travis County for every person. And <laughs> and there were about 70 grade-A dairies. Uh, we, we keep emphasizing that on this show that everybody says, oh, my, where my neighborhood now used to be a, de- a dairy. Well, just about the whole, it was. everything surrounding town was, it was a dairy. Because it was kind of self-sustaining, right? Well, we we kind of grew what we needed. Well, that, yeah, very much. But also, you didn't want to put a dairy too far from your customers. So they were very close to town. They were right to on the edge of town. Fresh. Fresh. Right. Yeah. Okay. Again, one one last thing here. I love this that you pointed out. When we look at all the events that drive Austin today, we have F1, we have Austin City Limits Fest, we have South by Southwest, which you have mentioned on this show was was the real turning point for the city, in your opinion? absolutely. But in 1960, what was the biggest event in town? Even before Aquafest, which we've talked about (laughs) a lot, it was the UT Roundup, which is the big fraternity party that, that that spreads all over West Campus and, and uh, had a parade and everything. So our biggest festival was a fraternity party. <laughs> a big kegger. <laughs> well, look at us now. We're, we're a big boy city. Aren't we, though? Yeah, all, all kinds of different industries, all kinds of Richest tech. man in the world lives here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Context for the time here. It's December of 2021. I saw a tweet from Elon Musk that said, just so you know, I will be paying $11 billion in taxes this year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this city has changed a lot. And has. tech has changed it. For the better. Anyway, it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Can I ask you that? Well, I think good and bad. I think that... that you got to get asked that a lot. I get yeah, asked a lot because they know I'm a lost knight. Do... So I'm going to phrase it in the way I get asked all the time, and I'd love to hear your answer. People are like, okay, Austin's going crazy. All these people are moving from all over. It's out of control. Prices are high. There's a fun things to do. Like we said, F1, South by ACL. And people always ask me, what do you think of the growth? How do you deal? Do you like it or dislike it? I do a lot of public speaking, and that's the first question I get, or at least the first five questions I get is related to that. And I always say, you know, there are things that are good about the growth and things that are bad about it. Uh, It's a much more diverse and interesting city in many ways than it was before. The food is a lot more interesting. Oh, my gosh. From five years ago. Oh, yeah. And I think the thing is that, what I look at is is the people. Have has the character of the city changed? And and not yet. I don't think it has. We've talked mm-hmm. about this on the show, and of course I write about it in my column in the Statesman all the time. Is that I still find people here are open and smart and kind and fun mm-hmm. and a lot of things that have not changed. And who knows it could change. Some of the people moving here might behave differently. And there's some fear around mm-hmm. around the town that that might happen. But I still find that to be true of old-timers and newcomers, and I hope it stays that way. Uh, another way of looking at it is 
when they stop coming is when you got to really worry. <laughs> right. <laughs> that means yeah. you, you, I mean, because there are many places in this country that were the biggest city and the most, the most bustling city in the country, Detroit, Cleveland, right. St. Louis, uh, were all the city mm -hmm. at one time. And, and now even California, uh, cities that just a few years ago would be considered cutting edge are now like, mm, I don't know anymore. Right? Isn't that wild? <laughs> so One of the other things I always share with people with, when I talk about uh, people moving to Austin is, and you especially see it with the Californians, and I don't, I'm not picking on Californians, that's just usually is the topic, but the, the mindset that we have, mm -hmm. is business and personally, versus them, they're very guarded and very protective. And Austinites have this value of there's enough pie for all of us. Right, right. What do you do? How can I help? Right. Even if you're in the same industry, yeah. let me introduce you to so-and-so. Let me help you. Right. Let me help you. And that's what I always hear from newcomers. They're like, I can't believe how helpful people are <laughs> personally in business. Right, right. Well, let's hope that stays. Yeah. You know, let's hope that stays. I, I think part of the reason why, especially the people from the, the big bustling parts of California are shocked by that is because the cost of living there has been so high for so long that they really have to scramble all the time just to keep up. And they don't have that extra, you know, empathy and emotional energy to help out the newcomers. But, you know, I, it's still the case here. It, you made me think of something. When I was in high school and I was a cook at Dan McCluskey's, there was a much older, wiser chef there named Pat Brown. He was a drummer in a band, and he still lives here. I think last time I, I connected with him, he was a chef at Hyde Park Grill. Hmm. And he would say this. He'd say, JB, Austin is where young people come to retire. <laughs> that is a, oh my god i'm stealing that so much now if we can keep that uh, that's a good thing where young people come to retire if you want to read what michael wrote about austin before ibm that's in volume two of indelible austin that's right and you can get it at bookstores and gift shops especially book people which always has it in stock and and you can order it online and they'll deliver it to you and also their store is open now we're talking about you know we're still in the pandemic mm -hmm. so we have to keep that in mind indelible austin oh volume four very close definitely get them uh, all the all the copies of indelible austin but uh thanks for tuning in to austin found happy trails mm -hmm.